I'm Todd back for episode number three of the, uh, this will be the last episode on this too, for the, uh, super, uh, the book called Super, and it's by Murray Olderman, um, called, and it's a lot, is, uh, Raiders in Their Finest Hour, um, but it's from 1981, is the, uh, copyright, and, uh, it's uh, it, like I said before, it's just a great, it's a great book. And it, it just allowed me to go through the, uh, go through that season of uh, crazy uh, turbulence. Um, matter of fact, after the season one is when, uh, is when Davis took up his, uh, took up his lawsuit with, uh, his lawsuit with uh, Roselle and uh, marched. March them right on March them right out of Oakland, right back down to Los Angeles. So they've been in the Los Angeles Raiders. And I believe it took away some of the lost or some of the uh, some of the background of that uh, that wonderful franchise in there and, and their wonderful <laughs> and their and it gave the uh, the police uh, arrest in Oakland, believe it or not, after the uh, Raiders left town. Um the game, I'm going to lead up right into the game. I'm just going to do a few of the games here and talk about this for a little bit. And, uh, like, I, I talked about the Oilers and the Raiders game. I talked about the Browns game in the playoffs that year. And now we go to the uh, AFC Championship game against the uh, high-powered San Diego Chargers. Led by, uh, led by Dan Fultz as our quarterback. Chuck Muffin was a running back. Um, great special teams, great, uh, great wide receivers, Chandler and, uh, Wes Chandler and, um, Charlie Joyner, one of the best ever, and an awesome, incredible tight end, and Kellen Winslow, who was the, uh, developed into the, uh, what they are now, you know, Riders, tight ends were always thought of as being a, uh, they were always like a, like another tackle on the team. You know, they were good blockers, good, uh, so-so hands for catching the ball. But, um, what happened was that, uh, Winslow changed the whole, uh, slant on for tight ends is that he was very, uh, agile, very, he could block a little bit, wasn't a great blocker. But my, oh my, could he catch the ball? And uh, he ended up, uh, he ended up having a Hall of Fame career. And um, you know, the thing about this, thing about this Oakland game right here was, it was a battle of how the how the Raiders were able to get ahead and just hold on. And uh, you know, the Raiders won thirty-four to twenty-seven, and this this was the uh, date was January eleventh, nineteen eighty-one. And what was fun to watch back then was uh, the the tide of the game and how you know how Oakland, like I said, Oakland, Oakland got up by a couple of touchdowns and you know and the Chargers were chasing them all day it seemed like. And uh, the thing was was that you know in the end, in the end when uh, when it all came down, it came down to uh, last drive. 
I can't remember how many minutes were left, but I think it was like seven or eight minutes, I believe. But they ended up uh, never having to punt the ball back. And the thing was is that, you know, they were able to hold on to the ball just by running it. And uh, Mark Van Aken was one of the guys that was, uh, I was doing the dirty work and he was powering the humans they you know they were pounding at three or four yards of carry. And that was what uh that was the uh that was the game, you know? And Ben Egan had 62 yards in that final in that final drive. And I believe and I believe the play was uh you know the, the playback then was it was very, it was very, it was a good, I'm trying to say the product of the game was very good back then. And, you know, obviously I think the, I'm a Charlotte Charger fan back then too. And I still think they slipped the Raiders some, uh, <laughs> they, slipped, they slipped a few uh, unanswered holding, un, un, unwhistled holding calls in there and, and uh, gave the Chargers a few more than they should have had, but it was fun to watch back then. Um, you know, and Ben Ingram was just, just an incredible player. And he led the uh, Oakland rushing for five years. And uh, he was a, it was over a thousand yards that year. He had 1,277 yards in 1977. Um, the thing was that we all, it was Punkin leading the game too. It was, you know, you didn't have the, uh, you didn't have the helmets that had all the had all the electric speakers and all that stuff in them, so you could talk. To, you know, so they could call in. The, you could talk to the coaches and the stuff. And when you're on the when you're on the field, and uh, you know, it was a quarterback that was calling plays back then. You know, it was the uh, that's how they got things done back then. It was more conventional. What I'm trying to say. You know, it wasn't. Uh, you know, one of the years. I'm laughing at this one too. There's a joke at where Kenny Stamore, the uh, prior quarterback in Plunkett, came up with his uh, with his game plan. He said he'd go out in the nearest bar, he'd sit by a jukebox, and he would uh, write it on a bar napkin with the jukebox lights on it, where as well as all his life. And uh, that was the thing, you know. And that was me, you know. And Stamore's a good player, and I think, but a guy. Uh, I read one time they said that Carl Moss was supposed to be his, uh, his supposed to be his watcher, and he spent more time with Saber's suitcase than with Saber. Um. But anyways, when they got into uh, when they got back into uh, into this game, you know, it looked like the Steve San Diego was scoring like a touchdown every game, every uh, touchdown every you know every touchdown every every. Uh, Possession, for like the next few possessions, and they thought we all thought the we all thought the Chargers were going to come back and tie this thing. And uh, when they kicked back to the Raiders, and like I said, the Raiders just ran the clock out, you know, because the Chargers cannot stop that running game. You know, it was all about champ. It was all about Upshaw and Shell making these holes and playing great offense, playing great. Um, domination on the uh, Chargers, and uh, they're able to hold on to the ball and run the timeout. Um, 
I believe now I'm reading, I think it was a 98 year drive. And uh, for, the, for the Raiders had. And, um, but yeah. It, and, you know, it's, it comes down to two of that for me is that, you know, what a great, what a great game this was. You know, it is football back then. It's no artificial, there's no artificial, you know, this particular game was not played on artificial turf. It was played at, uh, Bob Murphy Stadium in San Diego, not Petco Park. And, uh, it was just, it was a good football game. It was dirt, grass, and mud. I don't know if they were mud back in the uh, Chargers back then, but yeah, it was, it was the game, it was the year of mud. It was the year of mud and excellence. And, uh, you know, it was the game that was won. It was won by, you know, it was won by, you played the, you played the team, you played the field, and you played the officials back then. And that's what was fun to watch. Um, I know for my John Madden pitch, but uh, he was so uh, he was so awesome back then with his uh, description. And you know, it, it was fun to uh, fun to watch Punky back then too with his story. You know, like comes in it's the fifth game of the year. He comes in and he's just he's Rocky. He's Rocky. Rocky. Uh, you know, he goes. He has that great comeback, and he becomes a. Uh, he wins the Super Bowl for the Steelers, and I'm sorry. Super Bowl for the Raiders. He actually won two of them. He came back in actually, he came back in '83 to win two. And uh, what a, you know, and this guy, this guy's got another book out there too that goes through his particular uh, bucket story, which is phenomenal. And I wish, I hope you guys would read it. Uh, it's about it's about his life story, it's about his mom being about his, he had a uh, B9 tumor on his neck and when he was in college and he had to take that out and uh, he ended up going to uh, Stanford and smart guy he went to Stanford. He went to Stanford and he played for the uh, he played for John uh, Ralston back then and his seventy one uh, season was his first in the NFL, but I believe. I believe in 71 Rose Bowl twos that they beat Ohio State. Um, I think they beat Ohio State in Michigan too. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 1971 was the year that uh, I think Dan Bounds or Dan, some, I can't remember his name, was the core of Dan Bounds, was quarterback for the Stanford. The year before us, it was uh, Stabler, not Stabler, Plunkett. I'm sorry. Plunkett. And uh, you know it was fun. To, it was fun to watch him come through that era and come through the uh, being down in the gutter to the uh, to win to win in the uh, the Super Bowl against Philadelphia because of uh, you know he still picked up the game. He started playing again in the sixth game, game six of the uh, regular season is when they needed him to play. And there was one particular game that against against the uh, Steelers. That old player, and you know, it was still a big thing back then. It was the Oakland Steeler, uh, Steeler thing. It was on Monday Night Football, and uh, Puckett was throwing through like two or three touchdowns to Bryant to Branch. And you know, it was, was, it was so, it was great. It was, it was on Monday Night Football. And by the way, if you play Monday Night Football against the Raiders back then, you're in trouble. 
I think out of like, I think out of 13 games, I think they were 12 and one on Monday Night Football. They had to do something with those bright lights that all those guys started uh, coming to Vegas. And, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a thing too, is that, you know, that's a little bit more background information, but that was the thing was that once they traded away, uh, traded away one of the best uh, tight ends, pass receiving tight ends, and blocking tight ends, and uh, Dave Casper, and he was, uh, Um, he was the type of guy that to get rid of him, he was, he was, I don't think he was the best. <laughs> That's just funny to say, but now I think about it, but he was not a well thought of man on the Raiders uh, team. And, uh, I guess he's kind of a, whatever you want to call it, kind of an ass, I guess. And, uh, one of the things was, is that we ended up picking up Raymond Chester and Chester was a, uh, was another guy that turned around and played with the Colts. Another guy that was in the early 70s was a really good player. And ended up just kind of getting phased out of uh, off the uh, Colts. And um, what happened was that, you know, he's, he, he ended up having a trouble here in 1980 when uh, Plunkett needed, Plunkett needed a, a safety valve and a uh, guy could run the deep route. So he was... He was similar to uh, Kellen Winslow. Um, he was strong, he was tall and uh, lean, and, and uh, he had good, he had great hands. And uh, you know, it was fun to it was fun to watch it back then. But uh, anyways, what I'm saying is that once they went to San Diego, once they got to San Diego, they uh, they felt they came together as a team and. And they, you know, and they knew they had to run the clock out. And they knew that they could only do it one drive. So they had a pound Van Egan. And uh, I believe it was uh, Kenny King, too. So King King was a halfback right now. He didn't get many carries. But when he did, he was able to break. He was really fast. He was out of Oklahoma, and he was uh, a part of that uh, wishbone offense back then with uh, Elvis Peacock. That was Peacock, Billy Sims, um, and uh, King, and there was, and uh, there was another guy that passed away in an auto accident. His name was David Overstreet, and he was super incredible, and he was about he was about as good as Billy Sims. Uh, but so, anyways, what happened was uh, when the Raiders got King, he was kind of like an afterthought in that Houston trade. They didn't play him much. They didn't think much of him because they had Earl, they had Earl Campbell there, and, um, you know, like I was talking about before. And uh, Earl Campbell made it so awesome. So, anyways, when they got down to the uh, the Super Bowl, which was on January twenty fifth, nineteen eighty one, and uh, the Raiders ended up winning this game twenty seven to ten. Um, you know, the uh, the thing that happened was that. King, called, King took a sweep during the game and he went 89 yards for a touchdown. And that's where he became, a, that's where he became his, uh, that's where people came to know that King King. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, Rod Martin too, 53. Three interceptions, 
They beat, you know, they beat uh, Houston, Cleveland, and San Diego. So it was the uh, 53 was his name and number, and uh, that's what they they called him, and they called him the uh, Triple Crown um, because of what he had done with posted up to leading up to the interceptions, and. Uh, so anyways, what I'm trying to say is that this game was a, this game was, the thing about this game, it kind of sucked, it was out of the Super Bowl in uh, New Orleans. So it was inside, and both these teams were, you know, Philadelphia played the games on artificial turf, you know, on, uh, what was it even turf, it was just a little piece of rug above a freaking concrete. Um, you know, and that's why they, uh, that's when this game was, I would love to see this game played on that natural grass. And uh, they had actually played a, played a game on natural, played, I think it was in Philadelphia. They, uh, I think it was second to the last game of the year that the uh, Raiders won 10 to 7. And um, the thing was, was that, you know, the scary part was that it would have been awesome to see this game like in Green Bay or, uh, Back then, or and it's one of these one of these stadiums that produced mud and grime and dirt, and, you know, because you know, yeah, and I love the Raiders this way because you know it's like you know they never had to like go in and change their uniforms because it had blood on it. Well, come on. I'm sorry, but you know I understand that's ethical and stuff like that. But back in the '70s, that's when you got a true. Uh, that's when you knew football. Football was in the prime because of the uh, it wasn't so sterile. And that's what it came to be. This 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 Super Bowl particular Super Bowl is sterile. And a lot of fun plays and had a little King King getting loose and uh and it was it was a wonderful game to watch, you know, and you knew that Tom Flores was the coach and he was gonna put all this stuff together and he's one who wrote uh he's one who wrote the book on how to how to take a team of running games and guys that had records and put them into uh and I'm not playing records either, but criminal records. <laughs> and take this team and mold it into a team of, uh, and you know, and that was fun to watch was, uh, you always see, uh, you always hear, you're gonna hear a lot of stories. And I would suggest to anybody go back to any book. There's a couple books out there by, uh, I believe one's by Peter Richmond, it's called Badasses. Go back and read that. And there's a lot of stories in there, like good stories about the Sarah of the, Ra of the Raiders. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things too, is that, you know, one of the first plays that, my first touchdown, I believe that was, uh, they threw it to Cliff Branch and against the Raiders, and, or against the Eagles and uh, the Super Bowl. And he went up and made a marvelous play. Uh, he showed up at speed, what he could do. Um, I think they, I think the the play was forty some yards or something like that. But he, when he got loose, you know he was gone because there's no catching the guy because he was just going out. He ran, ran everybody to the house, and uh, you know there's, there's there's not a defensive back in the game that could keep track of him that could keep up with him in foot speed. So you know Philadelphia had some. Some guys that were really 
nasty secondary cheap shot artists too, and Roy Nell Young, and uh, uh, some of these guys that were uh, headhunters. And, uh, you know, that they'll probably come back at me and say, no, I wasn't. But I'll play the help. Hope I don't hear that from me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want to say is that, you know, back in the 70s too, is that a lot of these guys that were playing, you know, guys for all these teams for headhunters. And, um, you know, they would, uh, that's the way they played back then. That's why they had blood on the uniforms. That's, that's the way it was. That's why they had concussions, you know? These, these helmets they had back then were, were pretty much, you know, they're plastic helmets that they had about a month padding and the uh, leather helmets had back then. I don't know if people remember the leather helmets back in the 40s and uh, 50s. But, you know, it, it was like, you know, it, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, back in the 20s through the 50s. Let's put it that way. In the 50s is when they first started to come in with uh, plastic helmets and come in with a face mask and um, all that stuff. But that's when how the Raiders came to be was, you know, back in the 70s. That's the team you think of when you hear head on You think of, you think of the Raiders. Anyway, Blanche, or I'm going Branch. Branch had gotten loose to a touchdown. And then Ken King came back with a long run. And, uh, and that was the thing was that that was a, uh, that was a wonderful game, and it was, you know, it was a domination factor by the Raiders. They culminated the thing. That's where they, that's where they culminated the whole, uh, the whole Super Bowl run. You know, they played four games back then. You know, three games ago, the Super Bowl plus the Super Bowl. And you know, and that was the fun of the game was that some of those guys too. I hope you guys can get into uh, reading about John McCusack because. That guy was nuts. You know, he, he was crazy. And he was from Wisconsin. He was from uh, Oak Creek, Wisconsin. And he was from, uh, he was like one of the number one picks of the draft, too, and they had the Oilers. In it. And they couldn't, the Oilers had a lot of problems with him because he was drunk all the time. He'd come to practice drunk, or like I was saying, at one time he'd take too many, uh, too many sterile or too many uh, tranquilizers and he couldn't get up before he go to practice. Stuff like that. It's funny, but now I mean this guy this guy was a uh this guy, I mean these guys now I go to treatment, I look like a bunch of wimps. <laughs> and uh but you know this is you know this, this team was such a was such a great team and uh Raiders and I can't give, can't go into it enough about you know about how uh, you know about the about the hookup between him and Branch and Punkin Branch because they did that a lot that year about bombing throwing bombs and uh, using Branch's speed to get open and like I said there was go back to the Steelers game when they put my money in that football in and, uh, 1980 and then Raiders went 45 to 34. This one, uh, Branch and uh, Plunkett pretty much won that game with bombs. So a couple, two or three bombs that game. And, you know, I think, I think that Plunkett had a stronger on than Stabler. So that's what really helped the, uh, the uh, Raiders back to being able to throw the bomb because he had all that speed, you know. And, and the thing too is that I never got a dump back. I never got a dump back this. 
Brett Blitnikoff was one of my all-time favorite players, and uh, you know he was he was outstanding for that Raider franchise back then. But you know, and they they had just dumped or they had to get rid of but uh, they had to get rid of Bud Blitnikoff in 1979 because he just didn't do anymore. I smoking cigarettes on the sideline. That's what I laughed at. And he was a great receiver, but then he went and got the same type of receiver from Bob Chandler, came over from Buffalo. And, and that was a particular year of, uh, you know, that was the year that he played so great. He was such a great uh, safety outlet for uh, Puckett. You know, they needed 10 yards, they go to, they go to Chandler. If they, you know, they needed to go up, go up town and go to uh, Branch for a bomb or whatever, they, they would. You know, and Puckett was, Puckett was the type of guy, too, he didn't scramble up. He was straight into the pocket against the rush. And if he got decked, he got decked. You know, he was, oh, he got sacked a lot that year. But, you know, I threw a lot of touchdowns that year, too. But that was the thing, as I'm saying, that you guys are going to want to go back on it. Raider team to take a look at it. You know, this particular Super Bowl was, uh, was full of stories that, you know, and, you know, the thing, I'm just going to say one more thing about this, uh, match of the Super Bowl was about, too. You know, Harold Carmack was like a six foot eight or six foot, six foot nine, one of the two, but, you know, it's like when you got in there and you started playing against the Raiders after you score Super Bowl, that Super Bowl, uh, where the Raiders Carmack just beat up on him. Um, and because the guy was, the guy was a great receiver, and he had, he had a, a he had a, a, a career, he had a record that was, uh, it was the most caught, the most fastest caught in individual games. It was a streak. And I couldn't tell you how many. I couldn't tell you about. Uh, I, I can't remember the amount of games he did, but I remember that. And Eric Monk broke it. And I believe in the middle eight. And, uh, but yeah, no, this, this particular Super Bowl is, I don't understand why they play all these games and it's super dumb because they play the Bears in 85 with a game there too. And, uh, you know, it was, that game was just full of, uh, you know, this game, these, these, this Super Bowl is a super dumb and it's sure Catholics, that's for sure. Because that turf. The thing is, too, is that a lot of these players paid for it later on the CTE and that stuff because, you know, you can't sit there and bounce your, bounce your head off the freaking concrete. That's all that was back then. The only thing that was the ruggest for us for sure. Uh, it wasn't going to cushion you at all. And, it, you know, and, and that's what the whole Super, that's what the Super Dome was about. I, I got off, anyway. It wasn't about a place to play a game. It was about a place to show the game. Um, and I think that's why I love football. I love football because of the uh, competitive nature and the uh, and the endurance and the hustle and uh, and uh, the uh, the agony, the agony of defeat, the agony of pain. Um, I don't mean to go back and jump with Sunday guys, but that's the way it was back then. You know, there was no bullet. You know, it's it's like what they said and. Uh, I believe it was this week in the NFL, he's six, 60 men together can't lose, you know? And that was uh, George Blanda. And, you know, and it was talked about that. That was a, uh, that was a great show. You know, I, I watched it every Sunday. There was so much of this stuff that 
stuff that goes undecided, unwashed. And you know what? I'm going to say this too. Ray, Ray Guy, who just passed away about a couple of weeks ago, was the best freaking punter ever. I mean, the guy, the guy could have played, played quarterback, could have played defensive back, could have played. But his, his punting was just absolutely. And he was a, he was a god of punter. That, in my eyes, he still is. Um, he could set that, he could set the Raiders up perfectly. You know, he didn't give up short punts or nothing. He didn't give up punt returns or touchdowns. It was always, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be any good, you had to drive 70 yards. But, uh, yeah, Ray Guy was, Ray Guy was awesome. And, uh, I don't know, I enjoyed this particular team and I enjoyed doing a podcast for you. And, and I hope all you guys enjoy the podcast too. And, uh, you know, I'm saying that. Nobody else has told you that they love you today. I do. And uh, I love this radio team, and I love football. All right, thanks.